Hey everyone, and welcome back to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast for what's the very last episode of this series of Playable Futures. Now, the impact of a new generation of artificial intelligence technologies has been a talking point and then some of late in games and far beyond right into kind of the mainstream conversation. So considering that Playable Futures is all about the future of games, what better way to end the series than with a look at the impact of AI in games? With that in mind, I sat down for an amazing conversation with the always brilliant Mitu Kandeka to discuss the ongoing relationship between AI and games and what that means for the future of play. I'll leave it to Mitu to detail her experience and journey with AI, which includes periods at outfits including Spirit AI. Now, of course, Mitu's done loads else in games and she currently heads up Glow Up Games as founder and CEO and serves as Associate Arts Professor at the New York University Games Centre. And straight up, she has some remarkable insight on where AI might take games. Before we dive in, if you're listening to the last episode of Playable Futures as your first episode of Playable Futures, you might be wondering what it's about. Well, We've been given a chance to kind of hijack the main GI podcast feed. The podcast there continues as normal. But we've brought this project that gathers insights from industry and leaders and veterans in the games industry, creative visionaries, and really anyone shaking up what games can be. We've had those conversations with those people to peer into the future of gaming. You can already check out loads of our previous episodes. There's 10 ahead of this one. Last week, we spoke to Joe Twist one last time before she departed the games industry. We've spoken to people from PlayStation, the UN, Playtonic, Sega's Amplitude Studios, Roll7, Gearbox and more. I've done all this talking and not mentioned who I am. I'm Will Freeman. I'm a games journalist, author, writer and more in the games industry and your host for the Playable Futures episodes. One last thing before we dive in. Thanks so much to Project Partners, UK and Diva Agency for working with us to make the Playable Futures podcast possible. That's all you need to know for now. So let's get talking to Mitu. Hey, Mitu, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you being here. Um, yeah, thanks, Will. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's been quite some time, as we were saying before the record. Um, let's just dive in straight away. We're here to talk yeah. about art AI, artificial intelligence, of course, yes. and kind of what that means for the future of games. We can look to the past because games as a medium perhaps were kind of way ahead on AI, but before before all that, just be great to get a sense of your journey through your games career, even your relationship with games. I know you have done a tremendous amount <laughs> of different things, so um, you're allowed to be as brief or as detailed as what you want. But yeah, how, how, how did your love of games turn into a career in games? Should we start there? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I mean, you know, like many people, I'm sure listening to this podcast, I always loved games as long as I could remember. Um, and, you know, for me, um, you know, I was always playing like every type of game. Like I, I lived in a big, uh, I lived in a house with like all of my, uh, sort of extended family, of mm -hmm. like, you know, so my, my uncles and like second cousins, etc. So I'd always get like the hand-me-down consoles, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, starting with, starting with the Sega Market Master System. Uh, but as I got older, you know, to sort of get to, the sort of AI piece a little bit. I, you know, I sort of um, especially loved sort of games involving social simulation. Like I loved all mm. of like Will Wright's work. I loved Sim, SimCity, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, that's um, that's part of where it all started for me. Um, and then 
When I went to university, um, you know, I went to university in the days before you could, uh, you know, do game development and game design yeah. as an actual degree. So, you know, I did computer engineering. Um, and while I was at university, you know, I was also just trying to like, I guess, be an indie developer before being an indie developer was a thing. I was just like yeah. working on, you know, just working on these like side projects and projects for classes, which weren't necessarily meant to be games classes. Um, but one of the things I did for my um, final project for my master's at, in computer engineering at university, at the University of Portsmouth, um, I actually built this little, um, this little bit of hardware, which is all about trying to infer like your emotional state from right. like things like sweat levels, uh, your heart rate, right. et cetera, and use that as like input into a game. So that was using like a little oh, bit of um, wow. AI like technique. Cutting edge mood ring. Yeah, sort of. But also, <laughs> well, a few years, I, this was a few years after that. Do you remember a Nintendo announced the Wii Vitality sensor, which never yes. came out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was a yeah. little bit like that. So I right, like to think okay. I was kind of on the bleeding edge there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'd always, you know, always loved games. And, you know, for me, as I got to the end because of this final project that I did for my master's, I was actually offered the opportunity to do a PhD and kind of do further research into kind of ideas around like alternative controllers for games and things like that. Um, and long story short, I ended up sort of focusing on the question of how increasingly natural and immersive interfaces, things like, you know, VR and, you know, early AR. And this is like before the Oculus as well yeah, is yeah, when I yeah. started this research. Um, you know, how all of that changes our relationship with how we play and these sort of implications for design. Um, and then, you know, the other strand to all of this in my journey, uh, while I was doing my PhD, I was also, I also, um, came to the U S which is, you know, also where I live now, I live <laughs> in New York. Um, but I, you know, came to the U S for my first ever trip for this entrepreneurship scholarship that I was, mm -hmm. uh, selected for at the time, along with nine other UK grad students. Um, and that kind of really exposed me to kind of the startup, like the tech startup environment in the U.S. And so right. I ended up, and this was around sort of 2008, I'd say, um, you know, I ended up um, starting uh, a sort of uh, location-based, like a very early location-based uh, sort of games company um, together with a couple of other people uh, and, you know, trying to go the sort of tech startup route. And this was like in the early days of things like, Foursquare and you know Gawala and all these things like using yeah, yeah. your when when we were sort of all interested in like oh where is everybody let's have these check-in services and so I was like oh can we use that as kind of input into into like a sort of city building game almost so you know I've done uh, various things <laughs> throughout yeah, my career yeah. um, and then after that so that's actually you know uh, right after that and you know for various reasons that. That did not work out, but I learned a lot from it. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. But I ended up sort of doing various bits of, um, you know, just like games consulting and things. And I was like really trying yeah, to yeah. find my feet as an indie developer. And that's when I ended up, um, you know, thankfully, huge, huge props to uh, Cliffsky of Positive of Positech Games, mm -hmm. because that's when I started working on Redshirt, which is where I could uh, bring all my aspirations around sort of social simulation and kind of, yeah. you know, and also social commentary into games. So that was a, that was a, a game which was basically, um, which asked the question, 
what would Star Trek be like if everybody used Facebook? <laughs> um, so, you know, I released that in 2013, I guess. So, yeah, 10 yeah. years ago. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> 10 years ago. And that predates stuff. We sorry, sorry, I'll let you carry on. But it's interesting, all these things through your career that you've kind of been maybe almost too far ahead of the curve, so to speak. It's really interesting <laughs> thinking about the Oculus stuff, the the wee vitality thing, this kind of thing. Anyway, sorry, I'm true. Carry on. So Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I listen, I love to also think that I'm always ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah. I'll um, say it. You're not allowed to say it, but I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I also ended up, and actually, well, funnily on that note as well, um, I, you know, a couple of things happened simultaneously in my career. Um, I, uh, you know, I moved to New York. Um, mm -hmm. because I'm now also, you know, one of the many hats I wear is I'm an associate professor of game design at New York University. Um, but also nice. around that same time, I started working um, on what would become a games, what was then, I should say, a games AI company called Spirit AI. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was on the original kind of founding team of that, along with some, you know, really amazing folks like Emily Short, Aaron Reed, you know, all of these uh, other folks from games as well. And we were kind of working on um, sort of an engine, like a conversational character engine, mm -hmm. um, which is really about like, how can you, you know, have these natural conversations with characters? How do you build up relationships with them sort of, you know, over time through conversation? How do you turn that into kind of a game mechanic? And then at the same time, um, you know, we also, so I was chief creative officer there. Um, and, you know, I helped define the direction of that product along with other folks. And then also something that you and I previously talked about, well, the other thing we did there was, you know, using some of these sort of natural language detection technologies to look at online harassment in, in sort of the games, you know, game spaces, online spaces in general, um, and, you know, using some of those AI techniques to, to really understand what's happening um, in terms of like online abuse. And then what after Spirit AI? Yeah. So where are, where are you now, so to speak, so, apart from in New York? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I ended up, um, so I left Spirit AI in 2019 mm -hmm. um, because, you know, for me, I was getting to a point, you know, I've just described all of the things that I yeah, did yeah, in yeah. my career. Um, at the same time, though, I've also been really interested in kind of advocacy in the game space. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, really wanting to, you know, move forward the picture of representation in our industry, um, you know, not only in terms of uh, what's represented on the screen in terms of more diverse characters, but also who's yeah, yeah. behind the scenes. Um, mm -hmm. So I ended up starting um, my company now, Glow Up Games, together with Latoya Peterson, my co-founder. Um, and, you know, what we're doing now at Glow Up Games is we... You know, we're really we say that we're really about making games that center, um, you know, black and brown joy, we say, but also mm -hmm. joy for all underrepresented audiences and marginalized yeah. players in games. Um, and so we um, focused in the beginning on, you know, it's interesting as well, you know, since we're talking about AI. When we set out to start Glow Up Games, we knew we, you know, we had a, we were trying to do a few different things differently. We mm -hmm. were trying to sort of um establish a picture of an audience that you know the games industry traditionally had not like really looked at right in terms of data etc so we wanted to say hey we exist as players um and 
you know, as as women of color, as players of color, we exist and, you know, we want to make content that is very kind of authentic to, to us mm -hmm. and our lived experiences and our cultural experiences. Um, so, you know, that was one thing we would we were like, cool, we're doing this. We're, we're doing something differently. We're like moving the needle on this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, we also simultaneously to that, um, you know, me being me, uh, yeah. we were also and, you know, leaning into my expertise. We also in the in the beginning, our messaging was also around, um, well, we want to sort of also just explore these new mechanics, um, you know, using AI driven technologies and, you know, looking at these sort of AI driven mechanics um, to get there. You know, and one of the things that's been interesting about the last few years, you know, in the interest of not trying to do too many new things at once uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, trying to sort of focus on one part of the mission, we really sort of focused on, um, okay, like how do we, how do we sort of look at more traditional sort of narrative mechanics, still subverting a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll, you know, get to that in a second, because one of the things we care about at Glow Up Games is how do we just invent these fresh new mechanics that mm -hmm. we haven't seen elsewhere. So one of the things we've done is invented this new rap rhyme framework, which is really all about like, how do you make the player feel like a freestyle rapper when they can't actually yeah. rap? Um, yeah. And yeah. That's cool. Yeah, you're making me just think like games of all one thing many or some games can do is kind of give us an empowering experience. But yes. then like AI leaning into that or putting some momentum into that and allowing me to be a freestyle rapper rather than just what I can do by punching. But yeah, that's yeah, anyway, I'm yeah. getting ahead of myself. But that's No, cool. definitely. <laughs> our sort of initial version of that kind of mechanic, we actually launched in our sort of flagship game, which was a tie-in mm -hmm. game to the US TV show insecure um right, so yeah. that was a free-to-play mobile game that we released in 2021 um but we you know that was that was a sort of first version of that mechanic which you know was very sort of intentionally authored and still sort of you know combinatoric in some ways mm -hmm. but um you know one of the things we're now coming back to uh you know after the rest of the journey is looking at oh how do we you know how do we lean into sort of ai methods to kind of um you know make au the authoring process easier make the player a facing experience more compelling as well and it's interesting as well because you know I, I i'd be remiss to sort of talk about this journey without mentioning you know some of the business considerations which mm, yeah, which yeah. kind of you know yeah. really because that's you know that's the reality yeah. of it right games are yeah, 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 yeah. That they are yeah. design yeah when we were first fundraising um you know and going out to um, you know, potential angel investors, publishers, um, you know, venture capital, et cetera, around Glow Up Games. Um, we, you know, we, we talked about, oh, you know, we're trying to sort of establish the picture of this audience that we care about, that we're targeting. We're also doing it using kind of AI. Um, you know, we're also interested in AI because of, you know, our backgrounds, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of a, a little bit of a turnoff for investors. It was a hard sell anyway. I could have got lots to say about being a, you know, um, uh, you know, being from a underrepresented background in the games industry and, you know, trying to raise funding. And I will say sidebar, we are the first ever all women of color founded games company to have raised over a million in seed funding. So that is something that we can be proud of at least. Yeah. But, wow. It's, um, yeah. yeah. But, well, I guess um, like amazingly proud and it feels like it should have happened before now, right? But yeah, exactly. It does, you know, it should have happened before now and it seems yeah, like a low but bar. But it's happened as well. now. And it's wicked it you guys now. are doing it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um 
But, you know, it's interesting because at the time, you know, having uh, AI in your pitch deck was not necessarily a, you know, this was like 2019, right? And so it was not necessarily a huge sell. It's really funny how, like, you know, things in the the games investment and broader tech investment community goes in these waves because now everybody's adding, like, an AI slide to their pitch decks. Yeah, I imagine this might come a bit later in the conversation, but as we're talking yeah. about it now, has that become an opportunity or a challenge in terms of the funding and pitching, right? There's kind of a, you know, you guys aren't on the AI hype train. I think as your journey tells, you've kind of been close to some of these things or had this kind yeah. of innate interest for more than years, for decades, right? Since you're engaged with those Sims Absolutely. games and stuff, at yeah. least, right? And... Um, yeah, but how? So there's this, but there is this hype around yes. AI. I nearly said VR. We were saying, I was probably asking this question. We have, we've VR had this conversation about ago, VR like, too, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, the hype around AI, obviously there's some gains in the attention, but how are you, does that help the journey? I guess we can talk about investment and business or just in general trying to do good, impactful, meaningful work with AI and games. Does all the attention yeah. AI is getting help? I think, you know, it's a mixed bag, honestly. Mm. Um, it's great that there is this sort of interest now in AI and and also just, you know, where we've come, honestly, in the last in the last four mm. or five years in terms of like the broader picture of um, the tools that we have available to us. And we can talk about that in a minute as well. But um, yeah, I think it helps to some extent, but it also hinders in other ways because, you know, there's a lot of people now uh, sort of, you know, rushing out there to sort of jump on this on this hype train and when we have been doing the work for a long time and <laughs> you know we uh you know have been have been doing it in a very non-hypey way it's a little bit more difficult to cut through some of that noise um so you know and especially as well you know adding in the factor of being uh all women of color founded company as well so you know lots there <laughs> to unpick yeah, but, yeah. uh but yeah it's an interesting time for sure i'm really excited about all of the conversation happening about AI. Yeah, yeah. I guess even if the message and expectation is muddied by the hype, minds are open and interested, right? People are curious, which is yeah. an opportunity for games. Exactly. And I think it's given us license as well. Um, you know, again, speaking from a business perspective, the way mm. that we um, talk about what we do at Glow Up Games, it's sort of given us license again to sort of say, no, actually... What we're interested in is the future of play. Um, I think previously what we were doing, you know, because we're like, okay, we're interested in this underrepresented audience. I think folks were like, well, you've got to sort of stick to uh, a more traditional kind of lens of what games are and Mm -hmm. prove that the audience exists within that. But we're just like, no, we deeply care about like what games can be because I think if you have this idea of, this kind of exciting, diverse sort of future of games in terms of not only who's playing games, but also what kinds of games can be played. That just opens things up even more. And I think it just makes for a really exciting uh, future for games. So let's talk, you know, I don't want to just ask you, what are the most exciting areas where AI and games are intersecting? Because there's so many, but like, maybe if we could pick two or three and go through them, like, where are some of the areas you're really particularly looking at or excited by in terms of the future, whether we're talking about AI's involvement in game design, changing the medium, 
you know, from the audience side of things, like where are you really, because mm-hmm. there's so much going on with AI and I guess let's yes. remember, AI is still used for pathfinding in games and the simpler yeah. manifestations like that. Where are some areas you, you, you think yes. are important to the future of games? Yeah, I mean, I think we should take a minute as well to sort of unpack what we talk, what we mean when we talk about AI. All right, right? yeah, that because, that would be so useful, yeah, because yeah, it's a spectrum. It is, and it's a you know, it's such a big catch-all term. Um, yeah. And I remember as well, what was really funny, um, you know, I remember in. Um, a few years ago, it must have been five years ago, there was an article um, in The Atlantic by Ian Bogos, uh, right, which was, yeah. you know, un- trying to unpack the term then when he was, I, I you know, I haven't read it, it's stuck in my mind, I haven't read it for a while, but, you know, he was basically like, well, AI is just getting a computer to do things, right? Yes. It's just like, it's just <laughs> computation. You're just, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, it's this very sort of hypey way of talking about a computer program. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, that's you know, really and that's a little... It's a little bit sort of overly reductive in some ways, but, you know, because there are specific things that we can mean when we talk about AI. And, you know, one mm-hmm. of the things that obviously, you know, has come leaps and bounds in, in recent times is machine learning, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, uh, sort of, you know, generative, uh, like generative work that's happening, like generative mm-hmm. networks, et cetera. Um, you know, and... But we also can use the word AI when it comes to, um, as you say, like things like pathfinding, things like behavior trees, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it just means such a broad spectrum of things. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, what I'm excited about, I think there's a few different areas because, um, and I'll say as well, one of the things that we do, we're also, as we're talking about like the future of games and play at Glow Up and some of the work that we're doing um, around how do we use AI to, um, and how do we use machine learning? I should say more to be more specific mm-hmm. to yeah. um, to and, you know, and other gen- and generative techniques as well. I should mm-hmm. say to you know move forward our kind of rap rhyme mechanic. Like how do we make the authoring process uh, more like easier for um, you know for so I should say as well we actually have a chief rap officer at Glow Up Games. Um, <laughs> Uh, who's um, Inongo? She's amazing. She, um, you know, she's also uh, a fairly well-known MC, uh, especially in right. the game space, known as Samus. Um, okay. But she's, yeah. So she's an actual like she's an yeah. actual rapper. <laughs> so one of the things that we've done is like taken the stuff that exists in her head and transposed that to a game mechanic. And then as with, wow. and so so far, one of the ways that we that things work is that oh, she's like doing a lot of this kind of actual authoring of like what is the structure and what are the what are the words that we're using right so it's like her from her brain like transposing that into like our spreadsheet and then that goes into the game however if we want to have that be generative how do we still have that operate from a place that's authentic um and you know Mm. not uh and and you know one of the things that it's really important to talk about when it comes to AI is bias, right? Like, um, because these systems are all seeded by people ultimately, right? Like that's where it comes from. Um, And so the sort of databases, you know, to put it simply, the database of stuff that an AI system knows about comes from real things that people have done or real things that people have written. So, you know, making sure as we think about, oh, 
you know, can we can we teach an AI to rap, right? If we like just ask that question, like yeah. where are they getting that sort of database of information? Yeah. Who is that coming from? Yeah. Um, so yeah, you remind me of that thing we've almost got to think like we're kind of just, you know, we, we I don't know, going through the parenting thing. Maybe this is more in my mind, but <laughs> AI is kind of a baby. We've got to nurture and set the, you know, we've got to be good parents to AI. And, yeah. And give it to inform it in the ways you're kind of describing, you know, in terms of bias and stuff. Our, our species weaknesses can appear in AI, right? Or Absolutely. 100%. And I think it's, that's a good analogy as well. And, you know, uh, we were talking obviously before we started recording about yeah. uh, me also being a new parent. So I totally appreciate that, yeah. uh, that analogy because yeah, it, you know, and like being a parent, it's not something where you're just like, okay, here you go. I've loaded up all the information into you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like off you go. Yeah. It's more a, a, a long-term process of uh, kind of, you know, teaching and then reteaching and yeah, curating. Yeah, yeah. Etc. So, you know, that is going to be really important to do with the future of kind of any kind of AI system. So, you know, I guess it, to sort of put it plainly, one of the things that um, AI in games is not going to do, you, know, you can't just be like, cool, I'm going to put this AI system in my games, off you go, right? Um, it's just going to generate whatever you want. Yeah. Um, that's not desirable for a number of reasons. Uh, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. There's been some kind of interesting academic, Mike, was it Mike Rose's project in the academic yeah, space? But yeah. I'd love to go, like, I'd love to, that thing of, like, how can I put a, can an AI rapper exist in a game? And there's something mm -hmm. amazing there, right? Obviously, all games, a huge part of them is people putting their creative ideas and ability and experience into them, but putting your self as a creative ta you know i know you're not copying yeah. the rapper's brain into a game ghost in the shell style but at the same time <laughs> yeah this seems like how what a person's creative contribution to a game could be could change profoundly if they're kind of putting their creative exactly. knowledge into appear as a rapper but sorry i'm talking too much yeah no, just love to hear more about that you're, process. yeah you're, you're you're absolutely right like that is the kind of um idea we're aiming towards and i think the the i this is where what i'm getting to is like the idea of authorship st is still incredibly mm. important to this right um <sighs> you know writers game designers etc are not being replaced because mm -hmm. where the sort of authorial uh sort of uh, background to these systems have come from is still is still super super important um yeah. so you know the way that we're just to sort of you know be more explicit about how we're using uh we're exploring some of this now it's to you know see okay can we generate uh you know can we generate other rap bars and then have inongo still curate them right because you mm. still need that like curatorial kind of hand yeah. in all of this um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of one area, but I think yeah. it's just, yeah, there's, there's so much, uh, yeah, I think it's just an enormously, enormously exciting time. Um, the other way in which, you know, I'll say as well, um, kind of recent developments in AI tooling have, have kind of helped me as a sort of, you know, as a, as a person running a small games company mm -hmm. is uh you know i i love using things like midjourney to mm -hmm. um you know to to do things as you're doing things like building pitch decks as you're uh you know as you're going yeah. through the things that you know you just have a lot of work that you're doing around things like pitching showing concept mm. work etc 
And honestly, like, you know, there's this idea of, oh, are people's jobs being replaced, et cetera, yeah. which I think is an important conversation to have. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. On the, on the flip side of it, when you're a very small under-resourced team and you perhaps wouldn't have hired like a fantasy yeah. concept artist anyway, <laughs> it kind of helps you out to be able to like say, cool, give me this image that I need for this pitch deck. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because like you say, the replacing jobs conversation is important and kind of central. But at the same time, yeah. those two, two person, three person indie teams, they weren't yeah. hiring seven specialists. They were doing seven people's work. Exactly. So if now AI can, you know, bring efficiencies and more time to focus on creativity for smaller studios, right? That's not exactly. the same as re- it's augmenting skills not replacing humans kind of thing exactly and i think that's a really good way to think about how ai can kind of fit into the sort of um you know spectrum of work we're doing we're all doing in games it's really about how how do these things how do these techniques how do these tools how does it augment what we're able to do rather than like replace any of it um but on the flip side i'll also say you know there's also the opportunity Going back to the idea of like conversational characters, etc., mm-hmm. I think there is an opportunity to explore brand new mechanics still, um, which yeah. use AI. Uh, you know, this is something that you and I have talked about a lot over the years, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and especially you know in 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 terms of things like you know earlier, like the earlier version of what like social simulation meant in yeah. games. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's a exciting opportunity to just you know invent brand new mechanics which center the idea of conversation more um and you know i think in terms of like the uh sort of commercial potential of games it's probably you know it's 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 probably a sort of tougher commercial case to make to things like publishers etc to you know have conversation as a primary mechanic but i can see conversational mm-hmm. characters sort of rising in um in sort of you know prevalence as like a secondary mechanic right yeah natural interactions those kind of systems are going to help you know games is doing all right quite a few people play games but that's a opportunity to widen the market even further right the more kind of natural interactions there are i guess the better um i'd love to uh, i want to say i'm talking about game mechanics and genres for hours but there's also the reality (laughs) of the passage of time yeah considering glow up and some of the stuff we're talking about about kind of um i guess you know just in the advocacy representation like is there stuff ai can improve that it does ai have a role to play there whether we're talking representation on the screen or behind the screen so to speak is, is there a place do you do you feel optimistic or maybe ai is not relevant to that that effort no i mean i think it, i'm you know i think <clears throat> the way to think about it is ai can be relative relevant to any effort in which we're creating content in any mm-hmm. shape or form in game yeah. then you know one of those is absolutely in terms of um you know, creating characters. Um, and, you know, I think this is actually where we need to have a quite careful conversation um, about these things because, you know, there have been, uh, there have been so much, uh, there's been so much discourse already and, you know, so much very valid criticism in, in, in the sort of game space around things like, oh, you know, when you're visually creating characters, like creating characters with black hair, for instance, right? right um, yeah. Which is, you know, there's a long history of games getting that incredibly wrong and just, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. The uh, creates, have of... some, yeah. And, and also lighting and all of, you know, and, and just creating like 
um, you know, the wrong sort of looking texture, etc. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I think that as we move forward, there is a sort mm -hmm. of opportunity for AI to help, you know, generate all kinds of diverse characters for sure. But again, this is where the authorial sort yeah. of like who's behind it comes into play because yeah. you need to have folks who, you know, to use to use that same uh, example, like folks who know what black hair looks like and behaves like, yeah. right? Like yeah. so yeah, yeah, that's yeah. you know, and so this is where um again, like who is uh yeah, like who is who is um sort of providing the the kind of um like the source material of some of these technologies, yeah. like where is it coming from? I think that's a, a just that's a really important yeah, that's really interesting because it takes it back to like that. It's almost oh the game it would be or it'd be easy to go oh the games industry's got to be a good parent and set the example. It's got to nurture AI, but you don't want a single cultural force or group or person exactly. organization nurturing. Right? It needs diverse. Yes. <laughs> No, yes. diverse parents. And as we know, the, the games industry has long just had a single cultural force sort of driving it. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I know, think we I know the one you mean. That. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, really interesting. Um, yeah. And I guess, you know, as you mentioned, like, AI is talked about, I think, probably every, you know, or a great many people are exposed to it and you hear it far away from games, right? People in everyday conversation are talking about AI and particularly the kind of that, you know, we've already spoken briefly about kind of replacing people's jobs, but all these ways AI is a challenge or a threat. We'll resist talking about all the global implications of what AI could be. Sure. But yeah. in, in the game space, do you are there other areas, apart we've talked about kind of the nurturing of it, are there other areas you feel we need to be realistic or kind of where there's challenges we need to focus on to yeah. see this future in yeah. games? I think one of the things that's important for us to define here is like why, like what are the different sort of groups within games um, for which sort of the proposition of AI is kind of a, a really kind of interesting uh, sort of, you know, interesting, sexy one, right? Um, so there's the idea of kind of, if you think of publishers, um, and obviously we also know, you know, putting aside the fact that traditionally publishers uh you know have a more sort of conservative view of like mm -hmm. you know innovating on you know you want to make sure that things can be commercially successful right yeah. but if we're sort of putting forward this idea of oh what is a uh infinitely if we sort of use ai can we get to an infinitely replayable game which like keeps producing content and so yeah. your original investment in the game is just going to keep multiplying right um so, you know, that's like a really uh, like interesting fantasy for somebody yeah. like, you know, for, for like a publisher type. Um, so there's like kind of that that party to think of. Then there's kind of, you know, designers um, who want their workflow and their process to, you know, potentially be be easier in terms of like creating content, in terms of, um, you know, being able to uh, get over in some cases, you know, the, the, as we say, like the blank page problem, right? Like when you're starting out with, um, you know, trying to like write something or design something, um, you know, can AI help again, augment that process? Um, and then finally there's the players, right? So, yeah. uh, what is the sort of players idea of, um, of the way in which AI can, can be used? And I think, you know, that's certainly this, uh, you know, we get into the, the idea of like, con, you know, 
Can you have these like very natural seeming interactions with characters? Uh, can you have a completely unique experience that's unlike the person next to you? Um, and so, yeah, I think there's just like all these different kind of strands uh, or ways we can break out the sort of influence that AI can have on the industry. That's really interesting talking about the players. You know, that is so it's it's so easy to talk about the kind of design and ideas and technology and engines. And like, I guess perhaps we've got to keep an eye on, right, what we as a industry and as creative people and designers and, you know, cr creative technologists and so on, like what we're interesting and what the player wants out of this right not that all games have to be commercial there's games that are made for no one to play and so on yeah but like are there other other I, I don't know like I, i'd just be interested in more of your thoughts on like recognizing what the player wants from all this mm. and, you know obviously we can yeah. also set the standard and give the player things they didn't know they wanted but yeah i'd love to hear your more of your thoughts yeah absolutely and i think that's you know and and you know funnily enough that's that's one of the areas where AI can help, right? Like recognizing what is it that the player has been yeah. doing, like what is their play, what is their play style? Like, you know, there's a lot already a whole bunch of yeah. uh, work, academic AI work that's been happening, you know, in games around this stuff. Like what, um, you know, what can we infer about the, uh, the way the player plays, what content they're interacting with, and then generate more of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think there's lots to say about that. And these are things that I've, you know, talked about in the past as well around mm -hmm. yes that's kind of cool but also you know should we be should we not be you know challenging the player in some ways should we not be yeah. uh exposing them to things that they you know again as you say like didn't know that they wanted or didn't know that they sort of needed to interact with so there is that kind of um you know the personalization like the personalized game experiences strand of research which i think is is an interesting one for sure. Um, and I think it's ultimately, you know, again, this is where authorial, authorial yeah. intent, authorial control comes in. It's ultimately, you know, maybe about balancing those things, like giving the player more of the kind of content that they uh, have enjoyed interacting with, but then maybe, you know, 20% is also stuff that is, you know, in opposition to the things that they, uh, that they they've enjoyed interacting with so you know this is uh this is again why it's not just like cool let's like set up an ai system and just like let it run you know i think there is this idea of needing to just keep uh kind of a handle on the experience as designers keeping on curating the player's experience um but again you know this is kind of going back to the um uh the thing i was saying around sort of publishers and what they want and also uh, speaking as someone who you know, has a live game in the store, like Insecure, the come up game um, mm -hmm. is, as I said, it's a mobile free to play game. And, you know, one of the challenges is is obviously creating more content and sort of doing live ops, etc. So yeah. the the ability of, you know, using AI uh, to potentially, you know, generate more live content, I think, is an interesting one as well. And one that helps smaller teams like ourselves uh because you know running live ops is can be a costly endeavor so again this is going back to the thing of like not necessarily replacing people's jobs but allowing developers who didn't have the access to resources to certain resources yeah. to be able to you know do yeah. things that they weren't able to 
That's really interesting, right? You could almost say it's kind of democratising skills or democratising access yes. to technology and ideas. And I'm, I'm looking at the time, it's ticking away. I've asked about mm-hmm. 2% of my listed questions and about 300 <laughs> that weren't on the list and they've all gone out of order, but that's all fine. But as I could... I want to ask about 15 more, but as a last question, just to, and you know, how to put it, we won't hold you to this. Looking even further into the future, like, are there Mm -hmm. any, whether we're talking new genres, complete changes to what games are, do you, like, you know, I guess we've been talking, rightly so, (laughs) about kind of stuff that is a reality becoming a reality, you know, appearing, like, to be, to look a bit further out there, how wild could the impact on games get? I promise we won't hold you to it. Um, I think, you know, maybe, uh, and this is something we didn't get to, um, and again, in the sort of under the bucket of machine learning, I think one mm-hmm. of the things that is a like mid future possibility that yeah. I'm really excited cool. about is the, um, you know, there's the possibility for natural interaction. Um, and this obviously, you know, is, is part of the, uh, another one of my strands of interest and in something I've done in my career, um, with my sort of doctorate in, in looking at AR and VR, mm-hmm. but you know, as we're looking at um, things like mixed reality headsets and, yeah. you know, looking at gestures and things like that, like AI obviously has a huge part to play in that. Like, how do we just mm-hmm. like very naturally, uh, you know, interact with it with any kind of interface um, and have it understand our kind of intent, what we're pointing at, like all of that kind of thing. Right. So, you know, I think that, um yeah, the the impact for natural interaction is a really interesting one. Um, and again, at Glow Up, like we're we're exploring some of that. Uh, some you know we're, we're designing games for like AR and VR as well. So I'm very interested in that. But also the way that, that it opens up the picture for accessibility as well for folks who um, aren't able to you know maybe um, you know play uh, you know folks who have disabilities, folks who have other you know yeah. accessibility considerations. Mm-hmm for them to be able to interact with games in a way that they haven't before. So there's a lot of really exciting work happening um, happening with that as well um, that, yeah. that, yeah, I'm excited to see continue. Yeah, it's really, it's just encouraged. Like, again, there's a lot of issues. We have to be kind of responsible as an industry, responsible as people, but chatting to you, I mean, this always happens when chatting to you. It's so wicked, like, but that, yeah, just I, I guess I'm trying to wrap things up here, but like yeah, yeah. Your, your experience and knowledge and ideas are it's wicked. It just makes me want to go and rush and look up a load of stuff up and find out more about some of the things you've brought up. And it's like this is an opportunity for games, right? Like this is there's lots to be sensible about, but it's yeah. a pretty exciting thing going on in games and the future of games. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think as well, you know, I was just I, I was just thinking as you were talking as well. Uh, another thing I, you know, around access, a, a kind of accessibility. Um, I think you know, localization is obviously mm-hmm. a consideration for a lot of developers yeah. and the way in which um, AI can kind of potentially assist with that. Again, with the caveat that it still needs to be like curated and yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know uh, all of that kind of thing. But if we take that. To go to your original point of like, what is a far-flung future possibility? You know, being able to have something that's like a universal translator, um, where you know folks can folks can communicate with each other across different languages. Like, I think that's uh, you know that's a really exciting possibility for for AI as well. Yeah, 
And that nicely swings us right back to the beginning of the conversation and thoughts of red shirts and futuristic technology and that kind <laughs> That's of thing. That's right. We had to come back to it. We had to come back. I to actually <laughs> meticulously orchestrated that. Um, no, I didn't. But yeah, um, yeah. Honestly, I could just listen. I'm sure. I'm hoping the readers, uh, readers. I'm hoping the listeners are feeling the same. But um, thank you. Yeah, just thank you so much for that. Um, I will let you get back on with your um, day over there in New York. Um, but yeah, Mitty, thanks so much. Really appreciate you. you sharing those insights. Yeah, and yeah feeling is... kind of optimistic and excited rather than intimidated by AI, which is uh, always good. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. No, this was really wonderful. I love just talking about this stuff, as you as you can tell. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, honestly. absolutely. Anytime, anytime. Yeah, it was wicked to hear you in your in your flow with it. All right. Well, thank you so much, and um, yeah, I'll let you go. Cheers. Thanks Bye-bye. so much. Well, bye. Amazing. Thanks for joining us for the final episode of Playable Futures Season 1. And thanks to Mito for the insight, energy and knowledge. Her kind of enthusiasm and ideas in that space, I'm sure you agree, is so infectious. What an episode to end on. Some extra thanks as well. Stay with us. Thanks so much to Yuki and the team at Diva for making this happen. And to our producer and editor, Kira Freeman, for making us all sound so much better. And thanks to you for listening and to all our guests we've had for the time and input. It's really been an amazing project to be involved in. I really hope you guys have got as much out of it as we intended. The GI podcast feed isn't going anywhere, of course. James and the crew will continue to bring you loads of great episodes. And at some point, we'll be back with Playable Futures Season 2. See you then.